morning, everyone. I've not been feeling particularly Christmassy recently. I think there's something about a general election that just hasn't kind of filled me with that sense of, oh, Christmas is coming. But then yesterday afternoon, me and my wife, Kit, were in Kingston Town Centre. Um, don't go there, by the way. It's horrendous at the moment. But we had to do some Christmas shopping, things we couldn't get online. And so we were in the midst of the busyness. And I was like, I can't avoid it. Christmas is coming. But Christmas is one of those funny times of year, which I kind of think is a bit like a, a microcosm for life. Because the media and advertisements give us this grand expectation of what Christmas should be like. And there's all this pressure that could come, us, come on us to have this almost picture-perfect Christmas. But in my experience, it often doesn't turn out that way. I remember one Christmas when I was growing up, um, we'd been taken along to church in the morning. We'd opened some presents. Uh, Mum and Dad had some mulled wine going. Mum had been cooking this amazing Christmas lunch. It was smelling great. We all sat down around the table and we were all there looking forward to tucking. There was me, my brother and my sister and my mum and dad. And then what we heard from the garden were these screams and shouts. And so we all looked round to see what was going on in the garden behind us. And our neighbours from next door, well, their, their dog had got loose in our garden. And so the dog was running round in the garden, but that wasn't the thing causing the scene. The neighbours had followed the dog into our garden because they clearly started celebrating Christmas very early that day and were quite inebriated trying to chase their dog. But that even wasn't the cherry on the cake. The, the woman who lived next door was clearly wearing the Christmas underwear that she'd been bought that year. And all I need to tell you is it was not a cosy set of pyjamas that she was wearing. It was quite a sight to see, as was my parents' face, as we turned to see these semi-naked people running around in our garden. Christmas doesn't always go to plan. But then think about the Christmas story. It's full of examples of things not quite going to plan. The shepherds weren't expecting when they went out to look at their flocks that night, a host of angels to appear in the sky. The wise men weren't expecting to end up in a very smelly stable. They thought they'd go to a palace. Joseph wasn't expecting to marry a woman who was pregnant and definitely not with his child. And I'm sure Mary wasn't expecting to be pregnant, having not done anything that meant she should be pregnant, if you know what I mean. Christmas is full of unexpected events in the Bible. And ultimately, Christmas is full of a God who reveals himself in a very unexpected way. No one anticipated that God would reveal himself as a baby. No one expected God's love to cause him to take on flesh for the creator of all things to humble himself to become a baby so that the one through whom all things were created becomes dependent on his very creation in order for him to stay alive. Christmas is full of unexpected events. I wonder about you. Has your life turned out quite how you expected? Are you looking for guidance today? Are you looking for guidance this Christmas? Are you trying to find a, a way forward? You might even just be afraid of ending up in a place of complete darkness. 
I know for me, Christmas isn't an easy time of year. It's a time of year when actually my brother died 14 years ago, but it's still a time of year that we as a family find very difficult because a lot of it talks, Christmas talks about joy, but actually it reminds us of very dark times. What are you expecting in life? What are you expecting this Christmas? But the good news I want to encourage us with this morning is that whatever situations we face, the Christmas story encourages us that God will light our paths. He is the one who, through the twists and turns of life, we can trust him. He is God with us, Emmanuel. I want to explore the idea of light and darkness this morning, taking a couple of verses from John 1, um, very famous verses that you'll probably know well. Uh, I'll just read them now. John 1, verses 4 and 5. In him, and he's referring to Jesus here, in him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Throughout John's gospel, we see light and darkness as being played off against each other. John does a lot of this kind of playing two things off against each other, life and death, light and darkness. And we're constantly told that Jesus is the light of the world. If we follow him, he will light our paths, that the darkness will not put out that light. And I want to explore this idea of light as a way for understanding how God could be our guide in life, both this Christmas, but in life in general. I don't know if any of you have heard of the National Three Peaks Challenge. Any hands up? Anyone heard of the National Three Peaks Challenge? Anyone completed the National Three Peaks Challenge? Jerry has. Brilliant. Yes. I um, took a team of 12 people a few years back to do the National Three Peaks Challenge. What it involves is climbing the highest peaks in Scotland, Wales and England in a 24-hour period. So you climb Ben Nevis in Scotland, Scarfell Pike in England and Snowdon in Wales. And you do it all within 24 hours. That's the aim at least. Did you achieve it, Jerry? Yes, you did. Great work. Um, So my team and I, we went to do this. So you have many different strategies about what time of day you you set out. But there's a guarantee that one of the mountains you will be walking in darkness. So we started off in Ben Nevis, up and down Ben Nevis, all went royal. Minibus took us to Scarfell Pike, kind of clambered out of there, up and down Scarfell Pike, all going well. Had a couple of temper, temper tantrums from very tired people who didn't want to walk up a mountain anymore. But we were on target to meet the, tar- the, the set time. We get to Snowdon, and that's the mountain that we're going to be walking in the dark on, or at least starting out in the dark. And I'd chosen that because I knew Snowdon. I've walked up it before, but I always walked up it in daylight because generally that's what you do when you go to a mountain. You walk in the daylight to see the views. So we get there. It's very dark because we're actually ahead of schedule, so it's darker than I anticipated. It's about 2 a.m. in the morning. It's raining, and it's misty. I have my head torch and my head torch is doing nothing because it's just reflecting back the mist. But we start out in the dark. I have my map, but my navigation skills in the nighttime are not as good as they should be, I soon realized. So we start walking up this mountain and the first kind of hours going all right. And then we carry on going and I'm pretty sure that the path is meant to change in a way that the path wasn't changing. And people behind me are kind of saying, Rich, are we okay? I'm like, yeah, I think we're okay. And we keep on going. But I start to realize in the depths of me, I'm like, I I don't think we're quite where we should be on this mountain. And I've got no way of working out where we should be. 
Because when everything around you is dark, there are no landmarks, no parts of the contours of the mountain that you can see to help you work out where on earth you are. I came to a point where we were scrambling up one bit of the mountain. And when I've gone up Snowdon before, I've known that we didn't scramble up anything. And I realized this is very dangerous. I don't know where we are. We're just going to have to stop. And it was one of the hardest decisions I've made because it was a football team, a group of guys. We're all in a football team together, very competitive guys. None of them wanted to stop because none of us wanted to fail the challenge. But until the sun came up, I knew we couldn't do anything. And so in the wind and the rain and the cold and the dark, I said, lads, we've just got to stop and wait, wait for the sun to rise. And so that's what we did. And it was amazing because the sun actually came up not too long after we decided to stop. And it wasn't, didn't need a full sunrise. It just needed the smallest glimmer of light for us to see that the path was actually only 10 to 20 meters that way. We were not far off course, but we were still not on the right path. And the fascinating thing was the light made all the difference. I want to explore two points around how light can make all the difference as we think about Jesus being the light in the darkness, the light that the darkness cannot put out. I want to explore how Jesus' light helps us to see the way forward. And Jesus' light can also be seen and sometimes appears brighter in the darkest of places. So the first point, Jesus' light helps us see the way forward. How could Jesus' light bring, uh, make a difference in your life? How might Jesus' light help you find the way forward in your life? Well, I want to start out by suggesting that Jesus shows us what a fully human life looks like. In 1 Corinthians 1.24, Paul talks about how Jesus is the wisdom of God. And so there's this idea in the New Testament that Jesus fully embodies what a wise life looks like. We want to know what a wise life looks like? Look at Jesus. He is the very wisdom of God. Now there was a phrase, and some people used to have wristbands that said, what would Jesus do? As a kind of way of understanding how you might go forward in life. I'm actually not suggesting that what we're doing when we're talking about Jesus as a light to our paths, a light to help find the way forward, I'm not sure the question, what would Jesus do, is quite what we're looking for. And the reason I think that is because we face many circumstances today that Jesus wouldn't have done anything towards because he didn't have the internet when he lived. What should I do on the internet? What would Jesus do? Well, he wouldn't be on the internet. There was no internet when Jesus was around. What would Jesus do? Suggest something too specific to the idea of the guidance that we find from Jesus being a light to our paths. The more general idea I think we find when we think of the idea of Jesus being the light in the darkness, Jesus being the wisdom of God, is he offers us some core principles that help light the way we should go. Often, I think, when we talk about guidance, we want to have an exact map. Like on when I was up Snowden, I wanted the map to show me the exact path. But what I actually had with me was a compass. And the compass showed me a general direction I should be going in. When we talk about God as our guide, when we talk about Jesus being a light to help us find the way, and when we look at Jesus' life as a fully embodied life of God's wisdom, 
we're looking at a general guide. We're looking at a compass that shows us the broad way that we should go. And the way he's offered us that kind of direction, this is north, is in these two phrases of, he sums up the law and all the prophets in Matthew 22, verses 37 to 39. You should love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Now they sound like pretty broad principles. And you might think, but I need, I need really specific guidance. But think about the idea of a parent and a child. As a child grows up, when they're first born, like Mary and Jesus, when Jesus was first born, Mary had to do everything for Jesus. If you've got young children, when they're babies, they can't make decisions for themselves. You need to make sure that they eat what they need to eat. They drink what they need to drink. They get the sleep that they need. But as we grow up, our parents have to change the way that they guide us. Gradually, we stop to give them absolutely everything they need. Gradually, we stop to show them the exact path that they should be walking on. And we start to convey some more broad principles about how they should go about living their life. Because we all need to grow up. We all need to grow in maturity. We all need to come to a place where we're able to make wise decisions for ourselves. The longer I've thought about how does God guide us, the more I've realized I think he trusts me more than I think he does. I think he gives us more responsibility to make decisions than we necessarily realize because he wants us to grow and mature as the people he's created us to be. So how does Jesus guide us? He offers us a broad framework for what a full human life looks like. He says, look, here's these two principles that sum up how we should live life. Love God with everything you've got and seek to love your neighbor as yourself. And within that playground, there's freedom. There's freedom for you to explore and find the life that I've created you to live. There's a general direction in which we should travel. And when we travel in that direction, he will light our paths. But the second idea I want to, um, the second idea I want to look at in terms of why Jesus might be a good light to our paths is the idea that he's not just fully human, but he's also fully God. You might say, well, you're just talking about Jesus like he's a wise sage like everyone else or like other wisdom teachers. Why should I listen to Jesus and not just listen to another wise person that I come across? And my suggestion to you this morning is because Jesus is the one through whom all things were created. If your car's broken and you can't work out what's wrong with it, the best person to take that car to is the original designer because the original designer knows that car inside out. Jesus is the one through whom all of creation was made. He created humanity. He knew for what purpose he created humanity. He came and lived as a human, demonstrating what true humanity looked like. And he died to save all of humanity and rose again as the firstborn of the new creation. He is the original designer who knows humanity's intention and purpose. 
The reason he is the wise guide, the reason he is the way, the truth, and the life, the reason he is the true light who guides our path is because he is the one who created all of, he is the one through whom all things were created in the first place. He knows what humanity is meant to look like. And through his life, death, and resurrection has rewired our humanity so that we can live in the freedom that he is one for us. Why should we listen to Jesus? One, because he's fully human. He's shown us what a fully human life looks like. But also, he's fully God. He was the one through whom all things were created. He knows exactly what we're meant to be doing. But there's sometimes in life, like I said, our Christmas is often uh, this dichotomy of a good time of family coming together, but also a time that reminds us of darkness. And you this morning might be thinking, you're telling me Jesus is a light to my path. You're telling me that he can show me the way. But if I'm honest with you, as I look around at my life right now, it just looks like darkness. And the second part of the verse that I find great encouragement from is this idea that the darkness could not put out the light. And my experience has been that actually in the darkest times, Jesus' light has shone even brighter. Think about these candles over here. Right now, they appear to be making no difference to the light in this room whatsoever. Because at St. John's, we've got loads of fancy lighting. We've even got lights of different color. If we were to come here at night and turn all of the lights out, all of a sudden the light shining from these candles would seem even brighter. I'm sure many of us in life have faced situations where we have cried out to God saying, why are you allowing this to happen? And the encouragement that we get in the Christmas story is that the darkness cannot put out the light. And actually... When I face the hardest times in life, the light that sometimes seems to not make any difference at all, all of a sudden becomes even brighter. I don't know what you're facing today. I don't know whether uh, life has turned out as you expected it to. I don't know if you're looking for darkness. No, looking for guidance. I don't know if you feel like it's just darkness all around you and you can't see any light anywhere. The encouragement that I want to leave you with this morning is this Christmas, remember that it is God with us. He lights our path. He gives us a general guide in terms of how he wants us to live our life. But also he promises that when all else around us feels like complete darkness, the darkness has not put out his light He will be with us in the ups and downs of life. And even in your darkest times, his light will shine. And actually, as we turn towards it, we see that it shines even brighter. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for sending your son to be a light unto our paths. We thank you that the darkness has not put out the light of your son. And we thank you for giving us your spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for making Jesus present to us in all situations. I pray this morning that you would continue to guide us. Continue to help us become who you created us to be. 
And for those of us who feel like we're in utter darkness at the moment, would you cause Jesus' light to become more bright in our situations? Would you cause us to realize his presence with us in all that we face? In Jesus' name, amen.